Hey everyone, this is Michael from the Messed Up Midnight Podcast. The following episode contains discussions on sexual assault. Uh, if this is potentially triggering to you, we suggest you don't watch the episode. Other than that, we hope you enjoy today's episode on Saturday Night Fever. Kicking off Celebrity Month the right way with disco, drugs, dancing, and dude, look at how young John Travolta looks in this movie. It's the Messed Up at Midnight podcast, guys. The show that, much like disco, will be making a comeback soon. No, no, guys, I swear. Why why are y'all walking away? I am your host, Max Steele. And as always, I am joined by what happens when disco fever turns into hay fever. It's Michael Flaherty, everyone. Look, if I'm disco, you're ska, baby. And together, we're going to come back at some point. It's it's going to loop around. Checkered shoes and, and bell bottoms. They're on the up and up, baby. <laughs> you know, now I'm curious to see what would happen if we combine those musical genres for like disco ska. Like, I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like we might have it's, something there. The Bee Gees and Goldfinger just come together to make the the most, the lamest skateboarding <laughs> song ever. I don't know, man. This That soundtrack would probably go hard in, on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 on the I was PlayStation. About to say, like, dude, imagine, imagine just like, it's like you're like, you're like skating around to Hoobastank and then just the Bee Gees come on and they're just like playing a guitar riff and there's a horn in the back. But you know, enough about our weird fascination with a combination between disco and ska because guys, we're kicking off this month. It's Celebrity Month here at the Messed Up at Midnight podcast. For this month, we're talking about all things John Travolta. And we're starting off with one of his earlier movies, a little film called Saturday Night Fever. And this is just a classic when you think to like when you think of movies in general, you there is a like this classic scene of him walking down the street, him John Travolta dancing. Like this is kind of in that realm of like, you know, movies that have impacted our culture to like the umpteenth degree. Mike, what did you think of this movie? Oh my god. So, it's it, it, so I absolutely couldn't agree more. Like when when we when we when movies are turn out to be cultural touchstones at a certain decade, they always are really interesting to look at no matter how good or bad they were. So like classic ones are like let's say like the early Star Trek stuff, like Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek. That was a big thing, a cultural moment. You have Saturday Night Fever. You have stuff like uh, the original Iron Man. These these sort of cultural things that occurred that created this whole string of, that, that had an effect on pop culture as a whole. And this movie, I gotta say, of those quote-unquote cultural movies dude this one is the biggest like sidelining one like because mm-hmm. i went in i don't know about you max but i went into saturday night fever cold as hell mm-hmm, i same. i i had seen i had seen john travolta dancing down the street eating a pizza and i had seen him fucking cutting cutting it loose and that's it. But not Footloose, but not like, Footloose. That's no, not movie. Footloose. No, no, no. Kevin Bacon was not shirtless in a warehouse somewhere in this movie. It's this. So 
I went in totally cold, and my God, when 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 the movie's cultural touchstone that affects the latter half of a decade is the first 30 minutes, that's how you know shit is gonna go down. And go down it does in this movie, because my God above, this movie, it's like, the movie's first half is such a fun little like, ooh, they're disco and having a fun time. Is he gonna win the cash? And then the movie kind of like pulls you in once you're comfortable and then just like elbows you in the teeth and goes, <laughs> goes, welcome to Brooklyn, asshole. And then the movie kicks off. Yeah. Before we get there, I do want to say that when we were trying to come up with movies to cover like John Travolta's filmography, we knew we had to do an early one. And it was between this movie and Greece. And those movies came out back to back. Now, I don't know if like both of those movies have such a cultural importance that like it has to be one of like the best back to back movies any actor has ever done, period. End of sentence. I mean, he fucking John Travolta was nominated for an Oscar from Saturday Night Fever for for Christ's sake. Dude, I 100%. I'll even sit there and toss in the idea of a three-peat because the year before, freaking Carrie came out, or year mm -hmm. after. I can't 100% tell you for sure. But he was in Carrie, too. The man was the man was was razor hot or like red hot, whatever whatever the hot you want to call. <laughs> he was hot. He was hot. He was dude, he was very he hot. Was. <laughs> he, he, he was yeah, that's right. Well, what makes it even more impressive especially like with Saturday Night Fever and Grease being so back-to-back, -back, is that John Travolta's girlfriend at the time died like right before they were film going into filming for Saturday Night Fever, but he was able to power through and deliver a really awesome performance and was able to dedicate himself to this role to where like, I'll get into this kind of throughout uh, later on as we go through this movie, but it's like genuinely impressive the level of stuff like of the dancing that he had to do and also like the little character moments that he had. Yeah, see, that's the thing. What's interesting about John Travolta in this movie specifically, like I'd, I've seen a bunch of Travolta movies beforehand, but this movie specifically, it happened here and in Pulp Fiction where I got completely lost in the character. And that's how you know an actor is putting their heart and soul into the role that they're playing. That you mm -hmm. don't look at the actor and go, oh, that is... John Travolta playing as Tony, you go, that's Tony. That's Tony mm -hmm. right there. And that is what Travolta nails and sticks the landing so hard, partly because he is able to, to just engross himself into the character and also the moves that dude has. Mm -hmm. You there's damn, that is some that is impressive. And that is some character acting level, method acting levels of like dedication. Now, we we chose this movie because at the end of the day, me and Mike were like, okay, between Grease and Saturday Night Fever, which one of these movies can you see yourself sitting down with your boys before a night on the town to watch to get kind of hyped up to go out and dance? And, you know, both of us naturally thought, oh, Saturday Night Fever. That's kind of that's kind of the point, you know, going out and dancing with your boys. And then we watched the movie. And oh, while it did have that in the first like 30 <laughs> minutes, Jesus Christ, this movie gets so unbelievably dark. Like I'm talking, there are some uncomfortable rape scenes, racism, 
loss of faith, serious relationship issues. But there was a PG cut of this movie so the young people who bought the album could be could actually go see the movie. <laughs> yeah, the young dude, that has to be the cut of a lifetime because you have one half of the audience that's like, yeah, Saturday night fever, going out, hanging out with your gang and dancing. And then the other half, we saw the R-rated cut. It was like, no, 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 nope. That's not Saturday night fever, bud. I don't know how to tell you. (laughs) This movie's a lot tougher than just dancing the night away. (laughs) Now, we, we would be remiss if we didn't at least mention the soundtrack. Jesus Christ, like it just fits. Like when people think of that 70s sound nowadays, they're probably thinking of a song from this movie. Like I I I don't know. I don't know, Mike, if you have any strong opinions on the Bee Gees or anything. I okay, so I've actually so what was interesting about this is when I told when I told my dad about this, I was like, oh yeah, we're covering Travolta. First off, we got the seal of approval from from old Martin Flaherty. Just a big That's thumbs a seal up of there. Approval. He like, I am he's wearing like, with a badge of honor. Absolutely, he went. He went. Damn that that guy has had one hell of a career. You're like, yeah, absolutely. But thing about Saturday Night Fever, which is the interest, which is kind of the really interesting bit, is looking past the actual movie itself and looking at the soundtrack and the Bee Gees and how they came to be with this, because apparently. The Bee Gees pre-Saturday Night Fever, like about, let's go two or three years, let's go before, about two or three years before Saturday Night Fever. So let's go like late 60s, very early 70s. -hmm. They were essentially just a bunch of trend riders who could harmonize like their life depended on it. Like, they apparently were just next level in terms of harmonizing. But they didn't have anything outside of just riding trends. And apparently they came across like this set of beats in the very early stages of disco. It did like down in Miami or something like that. And the mm-hmm. Bee Gees just snatched it, Bee Geesified it, and out came the Saturday Night Fever sound, the staying mm-hmm. alive thing that we all know and love. That all came from them just snatching that moment and turning it and harmonizing it and essentially creating what everyone from then on would consider disco mm-hmm. they essentially yeah, and- took disco and twisted it i'm not done i'm oh, we're coming in hot <laughs> oh he's, but he's going essentially they took they took a beat and like what disco was and literally carried it to its logical conclusion after mm-hmm. that they became a bunch of has-beens but for a period of time they were they were the it people who changed disco and <laughs> god that god this music is awesome <laughs> the Bee Gees peaked in high school, essentially. Hell yeah. Now, this, this is going to get back to the music. Now, John Alvidson, who directed, you know, a couple of little movies called um, Rocky and uh, The Karate Kid, was actually initially attached to Saturday Night Fever, but he wanted to make it a little bit grittier and actually didn't want the Bee Gees in this movie. And he would later go on to get fired and John Badham got brought on in and the Bee Gees stayed. And also John Alvidson didn't connect well with John Travolta. So it's probably best that we didn't get that because, I mean, we would have missed out on like other than like this movie. We would have missed out on like the cultural touchstone of the 70s with the Bee Gees soundtrack. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's 
You know, I, I, I am always someone who is, if you can do it intelligently, make it grittier. Like I mm-hmm. love my, I love me some grittiness with, with, mm-hmm. with your, with your sweetness, something, mm-hmm. something to balance it out. That being said, I think that that is probably the smartest executive move of, like that I've heard so far in my movie watching career, because the idea that someone would remove the Bee Gees from this almost is like removing an integral core of what mm-hmm. makes this movie so, so unique and so fantastic. Now, I, now getting, getting back to John Travolta, mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to run through some behind the scenes stuff really quick. So Travolta, oh. he was a teenage heartthrob at this time. I mean, I heard stories about how a bunch of teenage girls who came out to see Travolta while they were filming this movie on the streets of New York and ended up shutting down production for the day because there were just so many of them and they didn't have the budget to like hire a good security team. And then a documentary I saw, I believe one of the numbers that a guy just kind of threw out was uh, 10 to 20,000. Oh my God. And another, and another thing about the production of this movie, even the mafia, you heard me right, the mafia, threatened to shut down this movie because the disco where they were filming had been firebombed because the production wouldn't hire people from that neighborhood. So they had to pay off the mob to film in their territory. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Literally the mob got involved in Saturday Night Fever. Dude, that's a, that's a poeticness right there. You got a, a movie taking place in gritty downtown Brooklyn during the 70s. And it's got a bunch of Italian Americans and a bunch of Italian Americans come in and start causing troubles for a movie down in downtown Brooklyn. Like, oh, chef's kiss right there. And uh, before we get to our drinks, I didn't really know where to put this piece of information since we're mainly talking about like John Travolta and the Bee Gees. Um, but the writer of Saturday Night Fever, uh, Nor- Norman, let me see if I let me see if I can get this. Get Ooh. this right. Where the where the hell is oh, uh, uh, Norman Wexler? That's what it is. Um, okay. Yeah, Norman Wexler had a uh, severe case of bipolar disorder and was oh. arrested in 1972 for threatening to shoot President Richard Nixon. <laughs> oh, yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> Wexler, you got some unhinged people directed bangers. He's Dude, the, I always call I was going were wild. <laughs> Dude, it's like, dude, you had you had Phil, you had Phil Spector like trapping like the Beach Boys in a recording studio, forcing them to make pet sounds, and then you also have like freaking Norman Wexler trying to shoot Richard Nixon, or oh, Tricky Dick. <laughs> okay, okay, so I, like I said, that felt like a random piece of trivia that I just I I had to tell somebody, and I'm telling y'all, so you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> so now, Mike. Let's get to the important question we have on this podcast, which is, if this movie were a drink, what would it be and why? All right. So, when it comes to the core of Saturday Night Fever, or actually, no, let's not start at the core. Let's start at Travolta. John Travolta month. What is John Travolta? If it boiled down. Nick Cage's absinthe So Mm -hmm. what is John Travolta? I am going to say John Travolta is Campari. Now, follow me on this. Campari is 
an Italian, an Italian sort of a uh, Amaro. It's comparable to uh, Aperol. It's got citrusy notes. It's got brightness, but it also has that bitterness, some depth to it. Much like John Travolta. Travolta can do bubbly, fun uh, movies, but he can also do really dark, bitter movies that have some tough, tough themes, some development, and really just, if you use Travolta correctly, he can make a movie. Much like if you use Campari correctly, it can make a drink. Mm-hmm. That being said, if you misuse Campari or if you misuse Travolta, it will control your entire drink for mm-hmm. the worse. And it will make and it will draw your attention to it for the worse. Mm-hmm. But here for Saturday Night Fever, it works amazingly. So John Travolta, Campari. Perfect. What is this movie at its core? This movie is Jamaican rum. This movie's funky. It's weird. It's got some fun going out vibes. But once you drink it and you get past the initial flavoring of fun going out vibes, it gets really weird, gets really dark, and can... It's not for the faint of heart. So an Mm -hmm. overproofed Jamaican rum. That's the core of the movie. Three quarters of an ounce. Now, these characters. The characters of this movie all sort of revolve around John Travolta, a.k.a. Tony Marinano or something like that. Whatever. Tony. We're just going to call him Tony. Tony. So these characters are interesting. They're developed. They have... They don't... They don't overstay their welcome when they're not needed, but they're whenever a character is on screen, you bet your ass that character is going to be utilized in a really meaningful way that is there purely to drive the plot forward. So, and by drive the plot forward, I mean in the good way, not in the bad way that we've seen. Mm-hmm. So, Koki Americano Rosa. So, mm. Koki Americano is, a, is an Italian liqueur, fits in with the vibe. You know, a bunch of Italian-Americans, Brooklyn, blah, blah, blah. But they also have a Rosa sort of version of Koki Americano. So this Koki Americano Rosa is a lot sweeter. It's brighter. It's pink. So I feel like that really fits well with the Saturday Night Fever vibes. Not only with the characters, but also the, the, the visuals. Now, John Travolta integral he is the campari three quarters of an ounce of him but we're gonna also double dip here and say that the movie's plot also fits in with that campari Mm -hmm. because not only is the movie very bright and bright and interesting but it is also incredibly bitter it is incredibly tragic and damn does it will it really tug at you so Three quarters of an ounce Campari. Done. Moving on. The Italian New York setting. I keep saying the word Italian. I'm going to keep mm-hmm. saying it. Like, it is so Italian in this whole so movie. Italian. There is some. There is some moments where I literally had to turn on subtitles because literally they were this close to going Mamma Mia. So <laughs> for that, we're going to pick out a Italian wine liqueur called burr toss in three quarters of an ounce of that 
Now, the BG soundtrack, Orange Bitters, done, finished. That sheen, crisp look that the movie has from the naked eye without having knowledge of the actual fucking movie, splash soda water. Mm -hmm. It adds, so essentially what we have is three course notes of Jamaican rum, Cokie Americano Rosa, Campari, Burr, orange bitters, and a splash of soda water. We have something bubbly, fun, visually interesting, but you take a sip of that motherfucker and it is bitter. Mm-hmm. If you are, and you are not going to be prepared for it. I guarantee you, you're not. You think you are, but you go in and you're not. Mm-hmm. That is okay. That that one's interesting. We, you and I, this we we do not have similar drinks this week. This is this is the first <laughs> oh, in a no. very long time. But I, I I like it. The you said John Travolta's Campari. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. Comp- okay, okay. Hmm. I'm not I'm not as familiar with Campari as I am with other things. But you know, probably <laughs> maybe maybe by the end of the month you can convince me. All right, maybe. All right. I'm on hey. a mission now. Dude, you're on you're on you're on a mission. Should you choose to accept it? No, sorry. <laughs> that, 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 that's, that, that's another Scientologist that we're going to be talking about. Um, so oh. <laughs> you just had to throw those digs in there. So <laughs> don't sue us, <laughs> please, for the love of God. Uh, so for me, great, 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 yeah, great cocktail, Mike. For me, I kind of went a little bit of a different route. I, lo- I looked at this movie as a whole and how important it was this my, i'm gonna be real my cocktail was pretty straightforward a classic 70s movies about disco with john travolta what can we do like i said this one was actually pretty simple all things considered a classic 70s cocktail for a classic 70s movie and you know me personally i think it fits the harvey Wallbanger, which is classic three parts vodka let's make it some good vodka one part um, Galliano, which is which is an Italian liqueur, which you know I think makes it fit you know even more for this particular drink, and six parts orange juice, and you know you can see yourself having this drink and you know hitting the dance floor to the Bee Gees, but there's a darkness underneath. Serious issues, heavy subjects, themes of racism, homophobia, misogyny, abortion, subjects that stand in stark contrast to what we know. So I'm going to say just go ahead and add some bitters to taste just enough to where there's a little something, something underneath. You know, it's not taken away from the drink because let's be real. A lot of people know this movie, you know, as the fun dancing, you know, you're going out to the disco and dancing and John Travolta walking down the street holding a thing of paint. But add the bitters just enough to where the the bitterness is just kind of there. You're underneath, you taste it, and you're like, okay. Oh, there's some darkness here. And yeah, that's my drink. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's hey, Harvey Wallbangers, love them. They're actually some pretty fun drinks. Also, I do like the I do like that we're both we both went in the you gotta know that it's bitter at its mm-hmm. core. Or or just and right Italian. there, just and um, Italian. Yeah. And Italian. Oh my god, is it Italian? But <laughs> I really dig it. I really dig it. I'd, again, I think both of our cocktails are also just good. Mm-hmm. I think they're both just kind of good. They both sound they both sound like pretty appealing cocktails. You know, but, maybe yeah. maybe my mind will change, but like going in, I'm going to say okay, because I don't know. I like to view actors like or whatever franchises like okay, what liquor? What can, what can the base be? And that's why I think I think I'm going to go with John Travolta being a vodka. Maybe my mind will change. 
as we go throughout this month. But I think for right now, because, you know, you can't have some admittedly good vodka drinks like the Harvey Wallbanger. But if you use it wrong and if you get the cheap stuff where it's not caring, oh, it'll fuck you up. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's just Absolutely. not going to be good. It'll 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 mess up not only you, but your entire entire like night. <laughs> All right, guys, well, go. Uh, I don't know, a platform shoes disco. I don't fucking know. I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't yeah. grow Hell up in yeah, the 70s. Okay. Absolutely. Go, go throw on some like platform shoes and a really, really, really low buttoned up V-neck and uh, wannabe Capri Jenko jeans that John Travolta wears in this movie. <laughs> and yeah. let's talk about Saturday Night Fever. Now, you know it's iconic when I already have to stop and be like, Jesus Christ, the opening sequence, BG's staying alive while a young John Travolta walks down the street holding a can of paint and like he's just walking and vibing with staying alive, picking up some pizza and he's vibing down the streets with weird camera angles while you bop your head to staying alive and John Travolta tries to hit on women while on the streets and God, the 70s were were, qu- were quite the time. It's okay. Yeah, see, the, again, the intro is genuinely really, really good. It establishes so much using so little because you have the funky soundtrack. You're having a good time. You see John Travolta, our lead character, vibing. He looks mm-hmm. cool. He's having a good time. He harasses mm-hmm. women. And you're like, ooh, the 70s. That was considered normal back then, wasn't it? And then and then he just moves on past that. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. You're, you're winning me back a little bit. But it's just, yeah, it's great. It establishes he's walking around with paint. You're asking questions. He's He's dressed super slick. Like... This opening scene is, again, it's telling you a lot using a little. Mm-hmm. And, it, and perfect. And I find I find it interesting that, like, after this scene, John Travolta, first of all, he walks into a store to try to put layaway on a blue shirt, which he can't afford because, you know, he's actually like 19 years old. And uh, he Travolta ends up going into this store where a man tells him to meet him around back and Travolta enters. And now he just has, like, a fucking apron on over like this fucking like nice red button up shirt and a suit. And he's working at a paint store while some fucking seventies Karen harasses him for having her wait too long. And he's just like, Oh, sorry, ma'am. I had to eat pizza and harass women while listening to the Bee Gees on the way over here. He's like, you would do if you were me. She's like, no, I wouldn't. And also, yeah, I love that you called her a Karen because she's like, do you know how long I've had to wait? It's like 10 minutes. And in my head, I'm just going, all right, lady, let's let's back it up here a little bit. Listen, he had to go get pizza, you know? He had to look cool. (laughs) Something you wouldn't understand, Gretchen. You know, I I do wonder if like if we went to New York right now and dressed like this, if just New Yorkers would assault us, we would get beaten up. Oh, we'd yeah. absolutely get beaten up. Someone, someone, someone would go, hey, hey, someone, someone would call us some some offensive term that only New Yorkers know, and we'd be confused, and then a bunch of people would come and just kick us. <laughs> so okay, we cut to later. And Travolta, he's like wanting to get an advance on his paycheck, but the owner says no. He's like, no, plan for the future, all of you kids. So 
you see Gen Z, it really had nothing's really changed. They've been saying the same shit since the seventies, so oh just know God. you're okay. <laughs> just just know that Gen X called got called that too, and, and then and millennials hmm? and boomers and probably Gen Alpha. The Gen, Gen Alpha. It's, I just, I like your not the greatest generation, not the before the boomers. It's Gen Alpha, as in the first cavemen people. It's just, it's just cavemen's like, man, you just want to hit rocks and dance to stay in alive, huh? Back when I was your age. Oh uh, yes, I remember the prehistoric sounds of the Bee Gees. <laughs> You can imagine just like a caveman just like doing a strut and like doing the point dance that they do in disco. So John Travolta is like, but the future is tonight. Please, I need this shirt. But he gets rejected. So now Travolta runs home where he has to go to his house. And inside it's an Italian family. What what can I really say? Mom and dad nag him. His sister made him a drawing, but he can't look for too long. Because he's got to get ready. He's got to get his hair ready next to a Rocky poster and do fucking Tai Chi in his underwear. It's Hell like yeah. his fucking like superhero suiting up sequence. Like he's getting ready to dance by putting on 17 necklaces, wearing pastel pants and a pink and white like Rorschach Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> That yeah. like you'd see either me or Mike wear at some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, I saw the shirt and I went... That's a, I was like, that's a kick-ass shirt. I was like, <laughs> it's I was really just looking at that shirt. I was like, yeah, yeah, credit where credit's due. That's a, that's a, that, that shirt whips ass. I would, if I saw that in the store, I'd probably ask to put that on layaway too. <laughs> so now his dad comes in and is like, hey, eat something before you go out. But Travolta, he's like, no, I just want to dance, dad. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> he sounds like Billy Elliot. He just, he's like, he's like, you don't understand. I just want to dance. And the dad's like, whatever, man. I don't, I don't care. And now we go to later where Travolta is eaten with his family and we get from exposition that his brother's a priest and, you know, he's a tad jealous, but then they all like slap each other around the table and, you know, mom is spending a lot of money on food, but the dad is union, see, and mom says no domestic violence at the dinner table. <laughs> and yeah, they're the Italian family doing the like Italian thing. Is it racist? Oh, you you're say that, breaking Mike? your mother's heart. Is, is that is that <laughs> racist? Buca de Beppo. <laughs> That's racist. No, <laughs> they're Italians. They're fine. <laughs> okay, so anyway, uh, we cut to later where Travolta enters a recklessly driving car to go spend a night in the town. But before they do they, they do that, they Tokyo drift in the middle of the road. And I'm just sitting there like, yeah, that, that's accurate. That's yeah, accurate how teenagers drive. Like, exactly, exactly. It's, you know, if he was 25 and his friends were doing that, they would sit there and be like, oh, wow, this guy needs to do a little thing I like to call growing the hell up. But <laughs> the fact that he's like, he's canonically 19 in the movie, you go, Oh no, that fits. That a hundred percent fits. Cannot argue with that logic. Yeah, 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 yeah. They do that. You know, me and my Mike. That reminds that reminds uh, that reminds me of you and you and me back in the day getting in my absolutely. car. Absolutely, absolutely breaking hell. breaking call, call us Judas Priest because we was breaking the law. <laughs> now, what what makes me even think more to my past is in the car they are partying with some ups, some downs, three eludes two J's and half a bottle of vodka. And I really feel like they based this movie about like me and Mike's life back in, you know, like high school and college. Like I just felt called out a little bit. 
it's, it's just it's just you know what normally i'd sit there and be like hell yeah back in the day but his entourage have some dated dated phrases they oh, use they do. When, oh, referring, they do. when referring to people of the opposite sex so i'm gonna i'm gonna very quickly distance ourselves and go oh yeah we were goofballs and made some mistakes yeah, but no, no. oh my lord we did not talk the way they no, talked no listen listen we did we did the partying thing just not like all of the bad stuff that they did in this movie <laughs> yeah, like all the all the fun all the fun stuff that you're like oh kids instead of being like whoa okay all right i don't know if i'd say that yeah no no no. listen me and mike back in the day we would you know drive up to houses ding dong ditch and then leave food out for them and then drive away meanwhile absolutely guys don't do that they uh yeah exactly well, it's, it's, yeah exactly we, we would sit there and as we were speeding off in our car we would just go jesus loves you as we were doing so <laughs> So now we cut to the 2001 Odyssey, the local disco. And now outside the club, Travolta's like, I don't know, getting warmed up while his friends are just casually dropping some racial slurs. And I'm like, mm, you got to get your friends, John Travolta. It's like, dude, they sound like they're in a freaking cod lobby. It is impressive how, how racist some of them are. I'm like, oh, my God, you guys need to chill out, man. Good Lord. We're supposed to like you guys. <laughs> so we see that his friends are very horny and they walk into the club while a fifth of Beethoven is playing while Travolta's like looking cool, smoking a cigarette and kisses random girls while the DJ pops his head to like this hard style classic remix of Beethoven. <laughs> I, I heard I heard him remix Beethoven. And I went, damn, people really were doing SoundCloud remixes back in the day, huh? <laughs> just 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 they were remix anything they could get their damn hands on. <laughs> So now it's just a bunch of shots of people dancing and saying hey to John Travolta. This group of like five lads, they sit down at a table, order their drinks, and they're watching these people dance. And a girl, Annette, comes up and talks to Travolta. And she wants to dance. And, you know, after insulting her, Travolta agrees and hits the dance floor. Also, his friends are going to take speed. Just thought I'd mention that. That, that was such an offhand thing. There was just, it's, yeah, one, this woman comes up and is just nice, and Travolta mm. just demeans her out of nowhere. You're like, all right, woo, all right, let's back up, buddy. Let's, he could just say, you could just, you could just be like, ah, no, they are, ah, you're not for me, or some crap like that. But okay, cool. Let's, let's be dicks about it. And then, and then, yeah, his buddies are just like, yeah, we're going to do some speed, sit around, which is a weird vibe, which is a weird vibe. Usually you're like, let's do uppers and then go dance instead of just, let's just chill out let's do uppers and then sit down Vibe. and watch a movie <laughs> yeah exactly it's you guys ever you guys ever wanted to like you know do some coke and then go to a jazz lounge that sounds real that sounds real hard no no you gotta do you gotta go to a jazz lounge do some coke and then get up on stage and play some music it's just like you're pushing you're pushing the upright bassist out of the way and you go all right everybody you guys want to hear some lemmy and then you start like <laughs> pretending to play freaking motorhead i want to i want a jazz uh, jazz album from motorhead i don't know about you guys so uh, travolta he hits the dance floor with like that capri jinko jeans and gyrating hips it's the classic aged like milk disco dancing that never went out of style but like these dances are so iconic too and I don't know if it was this one or any of the later uh, solo John Travolta dance scenes, but one cut initially, one cut of this movie 
initially was like a close up on Travolta's face, but that pissed off Travolta because, you know, he put a lot of work into the dancing and wanted it to be shown properly. So this 23 year old confronts this major movie director and is like, now you need to fix this dance scene like right now. That's that's so damn. He's got some balls on him. <laughs> I don't know. As as a twenty six year old, I get anxiety asking like asking a server to like fix my meal that they got horrendously wrong. <laughs> the fact that this, the fact that Travolta had this sort of this now this is the Gen X boomer energy that that I was looking for, <laughs> where it's he has zero anxiety, goes up to a director and goes, hey. Go to hell, asshole. <laughs> You're like, whoa, all right. <laughs> so yeah, Travolta's like twirling around and his friends call him the king of the dance floor. Back at the table, Annette sits down uh, with uh, these friends while they, you know, cut up, you know, and a woman comes by to wipe the sweat off Travolta's head. And I don't know, I guess she's going to like try and sell it. And she's like, I love watching you dance. And she agrees to take her dance while his boys are like, nah, she's weird. And then they just fucking don't do anything. But then the DJ starts playing some like Latin music, but Travolta doesn't want to dance to this. And he goes and yells at the DJ, but the DJ is like, look, there are people dancing to this. And points to like two people on the dance floor. The two left dancing to some Latin jazz. But Travolta's like, who is that? And no one knows who she is. But Travolta says, she can dance. But she's got the wrong partner. And he wants to know like, what? who is she? Who so, is she? Who, oh my god, who is she? Who so, is she? Who's she? <laughs> who is she? So it's just Batman. Who is she? <laughs> I just like Christian. It's just I like the idea of just the, the dancer she's doing, the salsa turns away, turns back, and it's Christian Bale in a wig, and he goes, Who? Where are they? <laughs> so now Travolta walks off to go talk with some of these random girls, like Penny at the bar. Um, and she just like knows everybody. So Annette sits down next to Travolta and asks if he'll be entering the dance contest with money on the line. He's not so sure. She wants to be his partner, but Travolta says, listen, we'll have to practice. And I mean, I mean, practice, like not socializing, no dates. So Travolta and Annette, apparently they have some tension. They went on like one date. It's a little awkward. She wants to date. And also one of Travolta's is getting lucky in their car. And also there's a topless dancer in this scene. So how they cut around this for the yeah, PG cut, I have no was- idea. Yeah, that was that was odd. Like, <laughs> man, the seventies were wild, man. They just had people just just taking off their clothes randomly in clubs. <laughs> hey, all right, it's fine. If that's if that's the vibe, then that's the vibe, I guess. Yeah, and like they go outside, and Travolta's boy is asking if he's going to make it with Annette, and then at the car, Travolta just cock blocks his friend. And they just watch while his boy is going to town on this chick, and they're just like cheering him on. And Joel's yeah, like, you know what? Fuck that's this. Weird. And away. That's weird. This is now, this is. Doesn't remind you of is, anything, Mike, does it? No, 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 the hell it does not. And I am so thankful for that. No, all I have to say is like. <laughs> This is some this is some old like pre 21st century stuff that makes me confused because in any capacity like that is some weird shit. But I yeah, but all right. All right. They 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 give his friend shit and just cheer him on (laughs) for some fucking reason. Sure. All right. So, yeah, they go. So Travolta goes back inside and just like does more fucking dancing to the Bee Gees until we go to the next morning where John Travolta wakes up in bed in his underwear where he scratches himself, looks at himself in the mirror and 
talks about Al Pacino because one of the girls last night mentioned that to him and then scares his grandma while going to the bathroom. Now we go to later where Travolta's wearing a leather jacket and his friends are going to go bother some gay guys outside of a basketball court while dropping slurs. Yeah, classic, 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 classic. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's when you're like, oh, it's. Man, the 70s, they just didn't care. Like, they were just like, let's be mean to him. Fuck everyone but me. <laughs> well, you know, he Travolta ends up going and spending some time with his boys, but he's got to get back to work at the paint store. And uh, one of his customers like, trying to recruit him to be like a painter, but Travolta's boss is like, no, listen, you're going to get a raise. And Travolta is like over the moon about this, and I guess they're going to be keeping him around for forever. And that just makes John Travolta so happy. Being Working at this paint store. Yeah. Forever. He's he's over the moon for it. <laughs> so now after dinner at his parents, Travolta is, you know, helping his mom pick up the plates and his dad's like roasting him for it. It's, it's the 70s thing. And yeah. Look, look at this. Look at this guy caring and being helpful. <laughs> and like his and Travolta's just like, yo, dad, I got a raise today. And Travolta and um. His dad's just like, you know, what the fuck? Like, you know, why are you so excited for this just small amount of raise? And Travolta's like, what the fuck? Like, at least I have a job because, I, you know, you're unemployed. Oh, and yeah, the uh, line I wanted to point <laughs> out here is uh, Travolta's like, what what the fuck? You know, you know how many times somebody told me I was good twice this raise and dancing at the disco. You never did, dad. Oh, it's just, it's just you, you just quietly want to sit behind Travolta as he's just laying into his 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 absolute dickweed of a dad. And you just want to go, oh, Bert, oh, yeah, it's what you get, asshole. Yeah, so so we go outside some dance studio now where Travolta meets up with Annette. And Annette's been thinking, he's like, you know, maybe I'll make it with you. We should go out. And Travolta's like, look, we're going to be rehearsing. I don't want to go out with you. Like, are you going to be nice or are you going to be the C word? So they go in the studio, but Travolta like sees the dancer from last night, the mystery woman, and he is intrigued by her. Now we cut to dance practice with John Travolta in a gray tank top and black pants with like an Elvis haircut. That is all. That's that's just the image <laughs> I wanted to put in your guys' head. It's, and my favorite thing is for 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 most of the, for most of the <laughs> listeners, that's going to involve old John Travolta. Not mm-hmm. young John no. Travolta. It's gonna be old John. It's, it's John Travolta from like from like from Paris with love, <laughs> with a little bit of muffin top hanging out, a little bit of thinning hair. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, they rehearse the dance, and the net's like taking it as seriously as he because you know like that that's his life. Like this is my life. So he cuts the dancing, but you know Annette leaves, but he's gonna stick around. So um, Tony Travolta goes to the mystery woman's studio to watch her dance and talk to her. He comments her dancing, but she's like, I want to be by myself. But Travolta says like, no, wait a second and tries to flirt, but then gets shut down and then fucking leaves. So we go back to his house. Travolta walks in with his family downstairs. Apparently his brother's upstairs now. So Travolta goes upstairs and it's Frank Jr. Who I'm just going to call Frankie because that's easier. So Travolta is like, you like why? Like why were the parents shocked? And Frankie's just like, "I'm leaving priesthood." And Travolta's like, "Oh, oh my God, are you serious? Like, uh, I'm, I'm which, so sorry." Which, which again, again, 
this is it's a hey it's of course it's a tough thing when you leave something that you dedicate your life to obviously it's really tough but Mm. it's funny to see like the difference between like like frankie and the parents because frankie's Mm -hmm. like oh my god i put away all these years and it it didn't pan out and i'm not enjoying it and then the parents are like it's like it's as if they just watched their like their childhood pet get raised from the dead and then brutally sacrificed in front of them because they're just they are destroyed and it's kind of like damn you guys should be shouldn't be flipped like you're kind of like oh i'm bummed but like yeah all right you get there bud but they are just way worse off than he is yeah and frankie's just like you know like i quit my like you know parents are ashamed are you ashamed of me so i guess all emotional and you know frankie ends up sleeping in travolta's room an oh, interesting thing to include in this movie is a plot line of loss of faith. That's yeah, that's I feel like I feel like this movie does a really good job of like tossing in all of these coming of age like themes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it feels as if the movie will just sort of toss in not as like this like integral like point to the movie, although this is an integral point to the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just the movie will just toss in like all of these classic things every person goes through as they get older. They kind of just go like all these, all these inward self-reflection moments. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was like super cool that they started off all of that with like the priesthood and all of that and like Mm -hmm. lose your faith, blah, 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 which I thought was, I was like, like damn movie. Hell yeah. That's a really cool look at. It has a lot of depth other than, you know, just John Travolta dancing at the disco. And what it boils down to is like uh, Frankie's saying, like it boiled down to like him leaving the priesthood was parents' expectations and them wanting him to be a priest. And Travolta's like, you know, I always felt like I was the shit of the family. And Frankie, Frankie basically says, "Lol, I'm the disgrace now, bro. See ya." So, so anyways, we we have a couple of more quick scenes where John Travolta is back in the studio, and Travolta asks Pete the owner and uh, potentially future sex offender of this uh, dance studio about the mystery dancing girl. And oh my God, yeah, this, Pete's, Pete's this, just a slimy Pete, fucking character. Pete is gross. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, see, again, this is seventies stuff. So I'm sure, I'm sure this movie was like, nope, you're not supposed to like Pete, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to call it out because they said some crazy stuff back back then. So, but I'm gonna say for 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 all the people watching it in 2023, Pete is gross. Pete oh, yeah. is like grade oh, yeah. A nasty. Oh yeah, yeah. So, anyways, we're in the studio. Travolta sneaks in and watches this mystery girl dance, and then startles her by calling her by her full name, Stephanie M. Which you know, this was in modern day New York. He would have gotten shot. <laughs> just you were just, just approaching you just random see, people on the street, just calling them by their full name. You, I was about to say, you see someone from the NYPD like dive roll down the stairs and just unload their fucking gun into him. So Travolta's like trying to woo her with his dance moves and asks her on a coffee date, and then tries to recruit her as his dance partner. And she asks about like you know his age, nineteen, about to be twenty. But Stephanie says you know we're we're too different. But he's like, no, but it's just coffee. 
And we cut to that coffee date. They're walking down the street doing that fast talking New York thing, talking about Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, Manhattan, all that shit. Mm -hmm. So the two enter this like, I don't know, rickety Starbucks while they talk about like (laughs) Romeo and Juliet and Travolta's like pointing holes in the story. And Stephanie is a posh asshole that drinks tea with lemon. But Travolta drinks his coffee. I I love I love that I love that she's like she's like I'm really growing up and he's like oh yeah she's and like, we're just sitting yeah, there. they drink tea with lemon it's sophisticated I'm like yeah nothing says sophistication like Lipton in a lemon and meanwhile she's probably just like I don't know twenty or twenty one and I don't literally, know. literally Mike I don't know about you but like. At 21, I didn't know. I, You know, you think you know stuff, but then when you get like, you know, a couple of years down the line, you're like, man, I didn't know shit about. Exactly. Fuck. It's dude. It, it is literally. No, you literally. It feels like almost a reset. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're resetting because on 19, you're looking back on your teenage years going, huh, what a goof I was. You're mm-hmm. like, I didn't know anything. And then you hit 2021 20, and you're like. I know everything. I know what it is to be from all my experiences back then. Look out, world. And then you look back and you're like, oh, damn, I really didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) So Stephanie talks more about her corporate job that involves her eating with Eric Clapton. And Travolta hasn't heard of these nice restaurants or Eric Clapton. And he says, like, you know, far out after, you know, getting called out, he orders for her food for her. And he orders a cheeseburger and coffee, which is an amazing combination. Whoops out a cigarette, <laughs> smokes it at the table, then tells her to, like, go on a diet. By the way, Travolta in this scene, for all of you young, for all of you youngins out there, if you're on <laughs> for, for all the young bucks, <laughs> for, all, for all y'all, do not do what John Travolta does. In this scene, that is not how you act on a first date. Oh, my God, dude. He is a walking billboard for everything you should not do. He is, first off, the dude is just, it is like, he drew, he's, he's like, yeah, health's my passion. And he just shoves his face with a cheeseburger, downs a coffee at like 8.30 at night, and smokes a cigarette, which is just which is if that's co- if that's not comedy comedic irony like i don't know what is that's awesome also yeah the fact that he just does the sexist demeaning bit is just oh my lord it is so much <laughs> and stephanie apparently this woos her and she's like you know what fine we can dance together Stephanie's, don't <laughs> he went stephanie over how <laughs> i do, i don't know if I don't know. I don't know if like Travolta's being charming in this scene or what, but it worked, but don't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's, I think uh, this is totally me, like trying to hypothesize how this works, but I'm pretty sure it's just because he's, he's like, I'm pretty sure he's trying to hem up being the tough guy and she's like, and she's able to like see that he's like definitely playing it up and she's like oh okay you're kind of just a a goofy squishy kid trying to figure it out okay that's sweet yeah sure you won me over but hot damn does his dialogue not portray that (laughs) yeah so later travolta says you know he gets a high from dancing he'd like to get it somewhere else but dancing is just like such a short-lived thing and stephanie's like look i'll meet you at the dance studio and travolta's like oh listen i can walk you walk walks off and travolta responds in kind by kicking over a trash can and storming off oh my god he gamer rages he's like 
It's he does the he does the seventies equivalent of smashing your controller after you just lost a game in like a in like a like a video game where your like sports team lost or oh no pick your fucking like analogy. Yeah. So anyway, Travolta runs into his boys later who tell him that Gus, one of one of his posse, is in the hospital because he got jumped by some people. Barracudas, a gang. They used a racial slur, but Jesus Christ, the 70s were incredibly racist. Uh, later, one of his boys tell tells uh, Travolta that he's getting married, and Travolta says they should go to the hospital tomorrow, and like, I don't know, it seems like his boys are growing up. So back at the house, the family's already eating, but this time without Frankie, and mom asks Travolta like what he said to Frankie, like apparently he's not there. Mom still refers to Frankie as um, father, which I'm pretty sure that's not what you're supposed to call somebody who's been banished from priesthood or who quits priesthood. So mm. um, his parents blame Travolta for not being there for his brother. And Travolta's like, look, mom, he's not going back to the church. You have nothing but three sick children now. Yells, then apologizes for yelling, then leaves to go dance. Now we're back outside it's, the dance studio. And, and, he, and, he, and he goes to a warehouse, tears off his shirt, and starts dancing very very strongly. And then he bumps into Kevin Bacon. They beat the shit out of each other. The crossover that we desperately need. <laughs> you, exactly. You just hear, I need a hero! And you're just like, just beat me. So now outside the dance studio, uh, Travolta runs into Annette and tells her he's got a new dance partner and you know tries to keep it professional but Annette starts to cry. And that's just like, why do you hate me so? And Travolta's like, we were just dance partners for like one night. These, I'm getting the fuck out of here. The two, yeah, the two of these people need to take a step back and learn. Annette needs to learn. Counseling. Yeah, literally. I they're not mm-hmm. even a couple, and they need couples counseling. Annette mm-hmm. needs to learn to deep fucking tatch, and mm-hmm. then John Travolta needs to learn how to be kind to people who don't have a dick. Like, good lord. Oh my god. He just which, says some insane things. Which, I mean, going to the end of this movie, I mean, he kind of learns. So it's a character oh, arc? Let's, let's, yeah, it is a character arc. I'll give it to you. But it is, it's, instead of a, like, instead of a hump, it's more like, like a, like a very, like, very small hill. Like, <laughs> you know, instead of a, instead of disrespecting women. He's like, oh, I can be friends. Yeah, that's that's the development, which is a weird, which is weird, but <laughs> continuing. So inside the studio, Stephanie walks in and Travolta picks out some music and they start <sighs> practicing dancing at the studio. It's all, you know, fun and games. Then they go to this different dance studio that's much bigger, puts the record in. Now, now Stephanie shows Travolta some dance moves. It's all like 70s and shit. Then Travolta holds her, so holds on her for a little too long. He's got that look in his eyes. They spin around by holding on to each other's hands. And like, I really want Stephanie to just like fucking throw Travolta like he's a discus with all that spinning <laughs> exactly. that they're doing. Like, yeah, exactly. Like it's the Olympic sport. She just launches Travolta <laughs> through the wall. <laughs> so after dancing on the streets at night, Stephanie and Travolta, they do more walking and talking. Travolta says he thinks Stephanie is full of shit. <sighs> Travolta, come on, man. He's like, we need to practice in front of a crowd at 2001. Do you think I'm either interesting or intelligent? Stephanie's like, interesting, yes. Intelligent. And then says nothing. And Travolta just like takes this like a victory. Yeah, I do love... I I love... This is... 
Now, this is, you know what? This proves, this proves Stephanie right, because, because <laughs> Tony's like, I'll take 50%, baby. And you're like, ah, all right, Tony, she just called you stupid, but okay, bud, sure. She just called you interesting the same way that that kid you knew in elementary school who, like, ate crayons and, like, just kind of, you know, I don't fucking know, ate crayons. That's the only thing I can really think of. He was practicing like, jutsus in the corner as his exactly. nose was running. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the same as that is interesting. Yeah, exactly. You're like, you're like, mm, he's interesting. <laughs> Not, oh, he's interesting. So now we cut to 2001 and on up close on a disco ball and more people dancing and, you know, more topless women and Travolta and his boys arrive, minus the one that's in the hospital, I guess, but is replaced by Frankie. They all go sit down and Travolta goes out to the dance floor with this random chick, Connie, and starts taking over the dance floor while his boys and his brother watch. No, oh, Frankie's decked out like Mr. Damn Rogers at this club. Like, I love that Tony didn't even offer any notes to his brother going to a club. The brother is rolling in with them, and he looks like he's about to sit there and put on a cardigan and just go, it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. Listen, like, if you saw, like, one of your boys come out wearing, like, I don't fucking know, cargo shorts and a band t-shirt, and you, when they were going out to the bar, you'd probably be like, hey, man. Come here. Um, just a quick heads up. You might want to change, Max. I mean, no, no, sorry. This is a complete analogy. Exactly, um, yeah, exactly. No, 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 that didn't happen to me. That didn't happen to me. No. You're like, I was cool. I was cool. I dressed ready for the clubs. <laughs> Rolling deep. So yeah, anyways, Travolta is putting on the moves that would like tear my ACL in half, like doing splits and shit and like dropping on his knees and standing up again and like everyone's cheering. His brother smiles and randomly cut away to one of Travolta's boys telling Frankie about his girlfriend Pauline and he got her pregnant and asks if the Pope could give a dispensation if that's how you even pronounce it for an abortion and Frankie's like oh talk to your priest about it and the boy's like but I tell everybody about it and then we just kind of go away from this like okay that is all that's that's such a weird thing that like spoiler alert is not gonna stop yeah, but it, it's it's it, they they bring it up and it's this is how I imagine everyone in the in the seventies dealt with anything sensitive relating to mental health or like physical health that they deemed let's put air quotes on this yucky. Mm-hmm. So it's oh because like the brother's just like oh no dog talk to the talk to the priest I'm not one and he goes. Yeah, but you're kind of a priest. He's like, no, I'm not. Talk to the priest. Don't want to hear it. And then he's like, he kind of shoes this nuke of a question away to watch his brother do his splits on the dance floor, which is, damn, that is a hell of a move. So yeah, Travolta walks into the bar and like is asking people if Stephanie's come in yet. No, she hasn't. So then Frankie runs into Travolta and he's like, look, I'm going home. This like isn't exactly my scene. But, you know, Frankie compliments Travolta's dancing and then part ways. So Travolta returns with the rest of his boys while everyone dances to Boogie Shoes by Casey and the Sunshine Band. But Annette comes in and wants to try again with Travolta. But no, Annette's like, fine, I'll try with someone else. And Travolta's like, we'll make it when I decide. And Annette's like, well, maybe I'll make it with one of your friends. And Travolta's like, okay, let's go out to my car. So in the car, Travolta <laughs> and Annette just start having sex. And Travolta asks, like, oh, are you on birth control? If she's on anything and she just responds with, I love you. And Travolta is like, nope, 
not having any kids just yeah, sucks my dude, dick. Dude, dude, Travolta, Travolta just. <laughs> I like that Travolta just goes fully like he sobers up and stiffens up so fast. He's like, Mm-mm, nope, yeah, mm-mm, nope, nope, no, nope, nope. I'm okay. I'm okay. And he just flips over. <laughs> so, yeah, but then his friends start like banging on the car again and they enter the car without any action happening. One of the boys gets in the car, but they start driving like over this bridge and they get out to this bridge while Annette's in the car while Travolta goes out and just dances on the edge of the bridge and grabs onto some of the cables and walks on the edge and starts messing with the lights while they flash each other with them, which, you know, normal, normal guy stuff, you know, just stopping off on a bridge and just goofing off, you know, which is, you know, boys being boys. Yeah, exactly. By the way, I just want to say if they actually did touch those lights like that, they would burn their fucking skin off of their hands. That was another question I had. That was like that was another question I had for you, Max. As you're someone who's handled a lot of like sun levels of brightness mm-hmm. lights in your days, you cannot hold those searchlights without like a like a rubber pole to like listen. Like, listen, dude. Them. We didn't listen, dude. This was the '70s. As far as I know, they didn't have LED lights. I mean, these are like remember those lights that your dad gave me? It's like the those. incandescent bulbs. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Those those things got fucking hot. So, oh it, no. So all the way. Oh, by the way, also two of them fall and Travolta dies at, dives after them. Worries in net, but you know, there's a, there are platforms underneath and they're fine. You know, it was just a prank, bro. So anyways, next day, Frankie's leaving, Travolta's walking him out. Frankie asks if Travolta's going to do anything with his dancing. And Frankie's like the only way you'll survive is if, is if you do what you think is right. So they hug, and Frankie is off and he left something in Travolta's room. And in his room, uh, Travolta sees it. It's uh, Frankie's uh, priest robe, like the, the neck collar thing that you see a lot of those priests wear uh, that Travolta uses in kindly to jokingly hang himself with. Okay, a little right. blasphemy, a little bit of blasphemy. In here. <laughs> we, 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 do a, we do a mild amount of blasphemy. Mild, mild blasphemy, we're, we're bordering, bordering. So now at the studio, Travolta runs into Stephanie and Travolta asked, like, hey, why weren't you there this past Saturday? And she said, you know, I said I'd maybe be there. So anyways, they argue and then fucking walk away. But now we go outside where Travolta's boys are asking if he'll ride with them. And Travolta introduces Stephanie to them. And then they walk away and his boys are, like, you know, busting, busting his balls. And now we're at a White Castle where Harold and Kumar are just trying to get to <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah, we are. <laughs> if only. If fucking only. So... Travolta and Stephanie are getting some food with his boys, and they talk about David Bowie, who they also call him a slur. And they sit down, do more fast talk in New York stuff. They call Bowie a slur. Come on, it's Bowie. Bowie's cool. Uh, Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. Wait, why you gotta do our boy Bowie like that? Dude, these people, like, you know how, Mike, you know how you and me, like, we make fun of every, like, no no one's sacred on this podcast. (laughs) But, like, we kind of draw the line at calling people slurs rightfully so i think yeah, i just i like that we have the logical barrier between <laughs> between punching down and calling people slurs and giving people a hard time <laughs> these people don't yeah but these guys get but uh travolta's crew give people a hard time by getting up on a table and start barking at them like a dog normal very very normal, normal. <laughs> so after eating they walk out and the dude with the pregnant girl asked stephanie about his situation you know uh, Stephanie is like, if I had to marry you, I'd get an abortion. 
Oh, oh. Okay, oh, again, oh. no one is solving this man's obvious, serious problem. Everyone is cracking jokes at him. So in the car, the boys ask Travolta and Stephanie, like, oh, they, they seem to like her, you know, except for one of them. So, okay, back at the paint store now, because that's a plot point. Travolta asks about getting the afternoon off. Boss says, you are you know what, you take it off, you're fired. Travolta's like, fuck you, I quit. Outside, Travolta runs into the guy with the pregnant girl asking for advice. He's hurting, and Travolta is like, you know, always seems to be together. But Travolta's like, you know, everybody's fucked up. I'm in a rush. I got to get this car taken care of. I'll talk to you tonight. And this guy's like, <sighs> you're really going to call me tonight? And then Travolta drives off while this guy just kind of saunters off. This and poor, this poor guy. Poor, this poor guy is having, this is, again, one thing that I really like about this movie is that Around this point, around see, see, the movie has sprinkled in the idea that it can have serious notes, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like until it doesn't feel like any of the points are really hardcore. Like mm-hmm. it's dropped leaving the priesthood, which is a crisis of faith. That's obviously a big thing, yep. but it also feels kind of like seventies movie appropriate to a dance thing. We're like, oh no, he doesn't know where he's supposed to be. Blah blah blah. It's sort of at this point where it feels like the movie scratched something where it was like, no, 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 we're going to get really serious about this because this guy's having a massive crisis and Mm -hmm. Tony's just brushing it off so much. Mm -hmm. And it's just I, I, I just love that the movie has the had the ability to quietly and also not so quietly just slide in that sort of like taster before Mm -hmm. the main course. Yeah. And it's really here where I began, like, like you, I began to realize like, Oh, like we're, this wasn't the movie that I thought it was going to be, you know, we looking at the poster with John Travolta in the white suit and everything. It was here where I was like, Oh, there is some, there's some darkness. There's some darkness here where, to where it's like a movie that you can honestly watch and, you know, have a good time at the beginning, but then like come away with it with thinking about life in a way that you hadn't really before. And I think that's what a lot of like the good movies that we've seen do. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so anyway, John Travolta drives off. He's outside Stephanie's house now. Like he's helping her move. So, you know, packs everything up. Now we go, now he drives off. Now we're outside Stephanie's new apartment. Travolta helps her move in and inside they run into this guy, Jay, who kisses Stephanie on the lips and not in the way that Travolta does it or like, you know, the, the quick cheek, uh, cheek kiss that, like Europeans do. So Travolta introduces her. So she introduces Travolta as her friend. Oof. It's all, all I could all I could say is all I could say is the Bismarck key classic. You've got what, what I, I need. need. <laughs> but you say he's just a friend. <laughs> so yeah, Travolta gives Stephanie a look and it just says everything that you need to know. I mean, there's just pain in his eyes. Oh, this poor this poor guy. Granted, he's been kind of shitty, but this poor guy. Ad- admittedly, admittedly. <laughs> so outside of uh, Travolta and Stephanie talk, and Stephanie says the guy's like a record agent, you know, going through a divorce. And she's like, no, he's just a friend. I'll be living with him. We had a thing and it's over now. Like, he likes me, whatever. Travolta's like, oh, he wants to keep you around. So they argue. She cries. Travolta's like, okay, listen, he helped you. That's good for you. Let's get out of here. So they stop there. So Travolta's driving Stephanie back and they stop to sit on a beach looking at a bridge. I don't know if it's a Brooklyn bridge or, or what. 
But Travolta spits facts about the bridge, and this was before Google, so, you know, he's a little bit smart. And, you know, it's cool, see, that someone is yeah. buried in the cement of the bridge, and they laugh about it. They, and that person's yeah, family is never going to see him ever again. I just like the idea that Travolta's like, I'm going to show her that I am smart. And he's, like, reading the, like, facts off, like, yeah, I know, see, I'm smart. And then he just mentions the guy who fell to concrete, and then his, like, his 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 mother and, and his father are just sitting on the bench, and they just burst into tears. <laughs> and that person's <laughs> name was Han Solo. <laughs> No, no, not Han Solo. Oh my God. He's been frozen. So Stephanie kisses him on the cheek. The music rises. You know, we're getting romantic here. So Travolta walks in, walks back to the paint store and his boss is like, okay, you can stay on. You've got a future here. Everyone's been here for like, you know, 15 years. And Travolta has a look. So now at the dance studio, we see Pete and Stephanie dancing and Travolta comes in and is like, hey, don't do that. That guy is a sleazy whore, whatever, and then walks away. So outside the studio, Annette tries to stop Travolta and show her something that, you know, Travolta has another look in his eye and you know, storms off. It was condoms. Annette's really trying to get some with John Travolta, which she, I don't know. He was a heartthrob back then, but he was Annette. Annette, this guy, like, this is the, again, this is my brain watching the movie. I'm engrossed, loving the movie. And I just out loud was just like, girl, he is terrible. What the hell? He's, yeah, yeah, he's hot. But like, my God, he she was, sucks. She was just like, I like bad boys. <laughs> yeah, it's, this is, this is the nightmarish version of I like bad boys. <laughs> I like bad boys. Here's a war criminal for you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's I like bad boys. Well, I got you a maladjusted, shitty, sexist piece of trash. Andrew Tate is right now. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm sorry. That was, too easy. that was too easy. That one was too easy. You, just, you, you, you fucking just like threw me a 25 mile an hour fastball, and I was like. <laughs> Okay. I just like the idea that the camera just pants and you just see this like buffed man, this buff hairless man baby in a speedo ranting about how women are objects. Okay, so now we're in the car. Travolta and his boys pull up to the Barracuda's uh, gang's hideout. They do recon, get back in the car, and they're trying to come up with a plan. And this plan is them ramming their fucking car into their gang hideout, then fist fighting everyone in this hideout by like fucking jumping on them and like trying to punch them in the back of the head. They just, it's like Grand Theft Auto, man. They just, they just, just said to hell with it. Let's go absolutely insane. And just. Right through the wall. Also, this wasn't John Travolta and everyone shaking hands going, all right, gang, we're going to drive through the wall. We're going to drive through the wall. This was one of his friends who just turned the steering wheel and slammed on the gas in a fit of rage, which I got to say, if I, this happened in real life, after, after this hypothetical friend of mine and I just like whooped this person's ass, and we walked out with, ha, cool, we got away. I would stop the car, pull the friend out, and beat him within an inch of his fucking life and go, you moron, what are you on? Yeah, it's it's just like, it, it's like his the guy driving was like, okay, I'm going to figure out a plan. And he just started driving towards, like, I'm going to figure out a plan. 
I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. That fucking oh, great dessert. Like, fuck it. I'm figuring it out now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Life went, I'm going to figure it out for you. <laughs> Life went like, the more you fuck around, the more you're going to find out. <laughs> exactly. It's a, li- it's a linear graph. The more you fuck around, the more you find out. And, you know, find out they do. Where Travolta's, like, kicking ass. One of his boys drives away. It's all mayhem. And Travolta's getting his ass whooped. They all run outside, find their homie's car, hop in, and drive off. And in there, Travolta like yells at his boy, like, you know, hey, where the fuck were you? You know, we're all cut up. And then they go to the hospital to see Gus and revel in their victory. And Gus is like, um, well, you know, the, everyone else was like, hey, you know, like we got the Barracudas for you. But Gus is like, yeah, uh, about that. I- I'm not so sure it was the Barracudas. And everyone just goes <laughs> dead silent. And now yes. everyone. <laughs> everyone everyone is just my that is my favorite that is when i like are out like snorted because literally they're like they're like yeah we kicked ass we did it for you gus we're your best friends don't say we don't do nothing for you and he's like yeah there's there's a real solid possibility that i totally totally miscalled the barracudas on that one and they're all like Gus, I hope you stay in this fucking hospital for the rest of your life, you dick. And then they just storm off. Yeah, so now we go to later, where Travolta and Stephanie meet up with two of his boys. So Travolta and Stephanie, they have a moment outside. It's the dance contest, the big dance. And they go inside, and they're waiting their turn while another group dances. The dance was finished, and, you know, some people boo. But now it's Stephanie and Travolta's turn, and people cheer. Annette also got some drugs from uh, Travolta's boy. And Travolta and Stephanie, they dance. It's very 80s, you know, to to the song More Than a Woman. They kiss at the end of their dance, then make intense eye contact like me and Mike do after every Saturday night. Absolutely. It's a warm, it's a warm embrace. And we make sure to always put on total eclipse from the heart. Listen, it's it's on that eye contact, you know, where you got to be right there in that moment. There's nothing more. Absolutely. Exactly. You always you always want to grab your homie, go an inch from their face, and then just just stare into each other's eyes. So the people cheer, and then the net walks away, and the DJ set brings out a group of Puerto Rican dancers, um, and you know, like the racists that everybody is in this club, they just stare and just kind of like, okay, let's see what y'all got. But they're actually, but the dancers are actually quite good. It's a bit of a faster say, pace of dancing. They're 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 really damn good. Like they tear the house down. Like I don't know how long Travolta trained to dance for this movie, but these dancers like trained their whole fucking life. Like they were actually really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Travolta even recognizes um, in this movie that like Jesus, like they're really good ta- yeah. dancers. Game, game recognized game. He's like he's like hell yeah. They're, they they know their stuff. And just the look on Travolta's face is like oh yeah no we're not gonna we're not gonna win this. We're not those guys. We're not those guys, pal. <laughs> we're not those guys, bud. We're not those guys. <laughs> so they finish dancing and Travolta's like you know listen they were better than us. But the DJ announces the winner. Third place gets called. Second place gets called. It was the previous dancers, but in first place. It was Travolta and Stephanie. They win. And Travolta, he's not too happy about this victory. You know, we can just tell on his face. It's that Oscar-worthy acting here. It was boys cheer, staying alive plays, people cheer. And Travolta's like, I need to get out of here. So over with his friends, Travolta calls his friends liars because they're, you know, encouraging him. Travolta's like, I, he knows he lost and he doesn't want fake friends. 
So Stephanie tries to say, like, oh, no, no, listen, we're just as good. And Travolta's like, you know what? Fuck this. Goes over to the second place, gives them his trophy, and then storms off. And we go outside the Odyssey, where uh, Travolta and Stephanie, like, they start arguing, and he calls his friends assholes, which, you know, they are. They are. And he's tired of people dumping on each other. Like, it's just not looking good. So Stephanie's like, okay, what's wrong? They get in Travolta's car, and she continues to ask what what's wrong. But Travolta kisses her. Stephanie doesn't like this, tells him to stop, doesn't. But then she starts yelling at him. She calls him a uh, cock tease and tries to, um, yeah, this is, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah. He, 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 he tries, he, he, he tries to rape her and it is, it is, it is an incredibly awful scene that Mm -hmm. really, I feel like this is where, I mean, the dance contest I don't know how you were, Max, but mm-hmm. the dance contest was, it felt like that was, in my head at least, the end of the movie, the climax. Do they win the dance contest? Mm-hmm. But That's- I like that the, I think in a really interesting, that the movie's really interesting for this because it plays that as a side note. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't even, it, it's like, oh yeah, it occurs, but because Chekhov's gun, it occurs. Yeah, and I think and it really it shows everything falling apart. This is where everything comes crashing down in a huge fashion. Yeah, because whereas like if you look at a movie like I'm just going to use I'm just going to use the Karate Kid as an example because that's just what I'm fucking thinking about. Like you know the end tournament, like that's the big moment and like whereas with this movie like you know though they've been working towards the big dance contest and that happens and they win but even watching that, you don't get that. All right, they did it. There's still something left to be had. And then when you see this scene, you get that like queasiness in your stomach. You're like, oh, no. And it mm-hmm. kind of brings you yeah. back to reality. Yeah. So, anyway, Stephanie is able to escape and run away, but all his friends come outside and check on Travolta and he starts like raging at them and Annette, who's also here. And, you know, he's able to calm down a little bit. And they're on the car now, and him and his boys all start taking turns with Annette. And she's, and you know, like at first, Annette's like, you know, wants to, you know, have sex with one of them, but then doesn't want to anymore. And like, this is getting very uncomfortable. And Travolta's just like fucking listening to this. Like, he's not happy. It's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the actress actress even said, like, this scene was making them very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's yeah, no kidding. This this the movie at this point is visceral mm-hmm. with its entire message. It, it it's the movie it feels like here has completely shed its attempts at subtlety and sprinkling in these serious serious questions. Mm-hmm. And now is just sort of holding it in front of your face going like, "No, no, this is here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And like it is just it is a tough, tough, tough scene. And honestly, it's a tough movie from yeah. here on out. Yeah, it's like it's there's there's no inch of this movie from here on out that is easy and simple. Mm-hmm. Like all of it is tough. Yeah, it was very because that, you know, if you if you knew this movie just from, you know, like what what we said about it, where, you know, there's oh, you know dancing and you know the 70s and yeah and then you get here you're like oh 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 mm, uh, mm." Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so now they're at the bridge 
And one of his buddies just starts doing handstands on the bridge and another one gets out, joins him, then another. And Annette is just sitting in the back seat, just sobbing. And Travolta asks if she's, you know, proud. And then, then just insults her. I'm like, dude, chill the fuck yeah, out. This is where they, I was yeah, like, I is, don't like oh. John Travolta. This is where I was like, I don't like John Travolta's character. In yeah, this exactly. Movie. This is, yeah, this is when, this is when it's officially, it feels like, it feels like the movie up until this point has sort of tried to make you go, oh yeah, he's, he's a problem. He is, but he's got a good heart at the end of them. Mm-hmm. And it feels like the movie sits there and just at this point goes, no, he does have a good heart, but he's vile. Mm-hmm. Like he is a piece of trash. Mm-hmm. Like he is a genuine piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And and he just dumps on Annette still because there's no way he knows how to process his emotions of what he's just been a part of mm-hmm. past just being mean to people, mm-hmm. which is, again, really fascinating thing that the movie is doing. It's mm-hmm. really, really impressive that the movie can this powerfully make you turn on a character like this. It's really impressive. Yeah, so uh, then Annette tries to run away, but Travolta goes and chases after her and tries to stop her from running. But she keeps repeating, like, I didn't want to. Very, very visceral performance here. But Bobby, mm-hmm. one of his boys, climbs up the cables and Travolta sees this and is like, um, dude, get down. And, you know, he's being dumb, but Travolta tries to go chase after him. And Travolta looks down. There's, like, not a whole lot below them. And Travolta's like, dude, for the love of God, stop. And Bobby, who's the guy with the pregnant girlfriend, says, bro, look at this headstand and watch me dance. And Bobby then starts crying saying, how come you never called me? And starts weeping, then fucking falls off the bridge down to the river below. And Annette's just like fucking crying hysterically. And now the police are here. An officer asks if he killed himself. And Travolta, you know, speaks to some poetics. He's like, there's killing yourself. Then there's killing yourself. And Travolta just stands mm-hmm. there in so much pain and he starts to walk yeah. away while the rest of his friends and Annette get in the car and they call out, but Travolta just keeps on walking. And we later see Travolta get on a train, then another, and he just like sits in a seat, smokes a cigarette, and just riding the, riding the subway alone. And the mm-hmm. next day, Travolta, in the same clothes as the night before, goes to Stephanie's apartment to have a conversation with her. So he apologizes about the night before. He just wants to talk and Stephanie is like, um, she they they have this conversation. Travolta's like, nothing's wrong. I'll tell you later. I've been up all night just walking. I'm not going back. Stephanie's like, what are you doing? Travolta's like, I'm not going back there. They're assholes. I want to do what you do. Get an apartment and a job. Stephanie's like, well, what do you mean? It's like, you know how I said I was using you to practice my act. There's a lot of other reasons that I was hanging around with you. You made me feel better. You know, gave me respect and support. And Travolta's like, maybe that I'm in town now. Maybe we can see each other. Like friends we could help each other like i'd be friends with you so they Stephanie's like you know what let's be friends they make eye contact she kisses him on the cheek they hug and it's all it's all happy and mm-hmm. uh, yeah that's uh that's, that's the end that's the end of uh that's, that's, that's the end of saturday night fever that's saturday night fever oh yeah. my god this you know oh. looking looking back on my drink that i came up with this movie i was like yeah after going through it i was like i should have made it like more bitter like you did it's dude it's like the movie like like you're like i, I do love a harvey Wallbanger, and it, mm-hmm. I, and the movie's bitter nature does really like come out but it's it's just the fact that this movie is just 
It it's for me, it's almost like the double side to it. Mm-hmm. It's like the side A, side B. Everyone mm-hmm. knows the side A, and that's the John Travolta going out doing the boogie disco dance to staying alive. And then there's the side B and that's everything that happens after Mm -hmm. he does his initial like dance with his buddies. And I just really applaud this movie. So, so seriously for even to this day, like it's not like some sixth sense thing where the, where the, where the hook is spoiled to hell. Like this is still, this still caught me. This still sidelined me. Mm -hmm. Like, like I really, I really am like impressed by Saturday Night Fever as a movie, and also for being able to keep that sort of that sort of surprising nature about it. Mm-hmm. It's really hard that movies from this time period to stay as punchy as they did back in the day, and this movie stays that punchy. Mm-hmm. Like so many of the themes are like super prevalent. And I have a hard time believing they'll ever not be prevalent. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, like just the whole movie itself, like Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, I think that this movie really, this movie and Travolta, the writing and Travolta, I should say, I think they really sell this like young man's dilemma of like, well, fuck, I'm out of high school. Now what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's that eternal sort of not eternal. It's that it's always going to be a story that like it's always, people are going to yeah. like get to like they're always going to like everyone's get to it. Yeah, everyone's always going to be caught at a crossroads at some mm-hmm. point in their lives. And like the most natural one is like that sort of I'm out of high school now. What sort of energy? Mm-hmm. And f- and for a lot of people, that progresses past to like I'm out of college now. What? Mm-hmm. Because like everything's laid out a lo- couple more years. Mm-hmm. But it's just this. There's really just this movie is like a real. It feels like it's cold water on the face of no. You're not a kid anymore. Grow the hell up. Mm-hmm. It feels like all of those the all of these themes revolve around the idea of handle you gotta handle your things like a grown adult because Mm -hmm. if not life is gonna really really come at you hard and it'll really really mess with you and i mean we we kind of get that with this movie too because like you know you you see the young you see like you know the the young people being happy at the club and then it gets just fucking dark at the very end and like punches you in the face Mm -hmm. exactly exactly um Getting, getting to John Travolta now, like I can really mm-hmm. see how this movie, you know, even though he's a pretty unlikable protagonist in this movie, like really was the thing to like help kick off his career. And people were like, oh, shit, John Travolta is the fucking man now. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. This this movie is a perfect example on why John Travolta has the chops that he has. Mm-hmm. Like he's the dude can the dude can do range. Even in this freaking movie, he does range. Mm-hmm. He does everything from bratty kid to guy who just beats people up mm-hmm. to the person who has a huge crisis to guy who's depressed. He's got a lot of range in this movie alone, and the and he and he really he really drives that sort of moral dilemma of like growing up that like that really 
is a driving force in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like he is the audience's like person, like point of view on this, which I really, which I really applaud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ab- absolutely do. But yeah, you know, that does it for this, the for Saturday night fever. Um, that was our first, our first episode of John Travolta month is in the tank. Let us mm-hmm. know what you guys think. Go follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. You guys know the deal and uh, stay up to date with what we got going on. Mike, do you have anything Absolutely. you want to say? Any any teases you want to give the people about Ooh, what's to come right. with uh, John Travolta month? Well, everybody, John Travolta month is now. It's well underway, baby. Oh yeah, now it's officially. It's a, we've officially hit the ground running, and I gotta say, the next movie that's coming up is you, you know normally i feel like a lot of people are going to assume it's pulp fiction or some you know some other big landmark movie in john travolta's career and it will be <laughs> but we're going to need to be a little we're going to need to be very legally conscious about what we say in the next Ooh, one. Oh yeah that one's probably gonna get us all we got a lot of litigious <laughs> people a lot of litigious people are going to be watching the next one yeah so, so uh i'm just gonna go ahead and put this out on record I would never disappear and or kill myself. I want to make that absolutely clear. I would never do that. (laughs) That is that's that's doubles. That's doubles for me, baby. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm right there with them. It's yeah, that is the sneak peek I'm given. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) All right, guys, we'll definitely go check out Saturday Night Fever and we'll see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody.